Aaron Baker, and welcome back to the Kitchen Confidant Podcast. Today, we're chatting with Cordo Olive Oil's master miller, David Garcia Aguirre. Much like a winemaker, David ensures Cordo's 100% California extra virgin olive oil adheres to rigorous flavor and freshness requirements while maintaining a full-bodied and dynamic flavor profile. Under his direction, Cordo has received 30 olive oil competition medals in 2021 alone, including seven gold. Prior to joining Cordo, David produced numerous award-winning oils, including four best-in-class awards at the California Olive Oil Council Competition. I am so excited to welcome David to the podcast. Hi. Hi, Laren. Thanks so much for having me. Oh my gosh, it's my pleasure. And I had the joy of meeting you in person and talking all things olive oil about a year, I guess a little over a year ago. And so I'm so excited that you're here on the podcast so we could chat more and share more with everybody because you are a fountain of information and there's just no way that I could possibly convey all that information to everybody in a blog post. So I think this is great. Well, if you um, do anything long enough, then you'll you'll pick up a lot of things. So <laughs> <laughs> That is very true. It's always time. Um, before we get to that, I always start by asking, what's the first thing that you ever cooked and about how old were you? Oh my goodness. I grew up in a cooking family, so I can't remember food. My family's Basque from uh, the oh. yeah the northwest uh, of Spain. And uh, so food was always central. So I probably started cooking with my grandmother, making everything from chilindron to paella to uh, stuffed calamari, a bunch of Basque, traditional Basque dishes. Oh my gosh, stuffed calamari. I haven't had good stuffed calamari in years, so now, now, now I want to find some. Maybe you have a recipe you can share. <laughs> Could you tell everyone a bit about yourself? I feel like you've had an interesting path into the world of olive oil. So how did you become a master miller? And maybe you could also explain what that means to everyone. Sure. I mean, so we'll start with that, with the master miller part. So master miller really just comes from the Italian and Spanish mills where they would have a maestro molinero who would be the miller in charge or the, the oil maker in charge. So we just, we just, we literally translated it into English and that's, uh, that's what we call ourselves. The, the path is interesting because there is no direct path to becoming a master miller, especially in the United States. It's a very new industry, you know, especially at any kind of scale. There's some boutique production for the last 30 years, but any kind of scale, it's really fairly new. So my story, I was, I actually went to Santa Cruz, UC Santa Cruz and studied philosophy. Uh, I was a uh, soccer player at the time and was like always flirting with being a professional soccer player and, and, you know, was in and out of that. And I went to Spain to play soccer and I got injured and it was a career ending injury. So I knew I needed to do something totally different. And I came back to the United States and I uh, had been working in metal, doing like metal art and sculpture and things like that for most of my life. And I started a studio in Davis, an art studio. And one day my neighbor came over and asked me if I wanted to build a mobile olive oil plant. And, and I said, yes, uh, we built it and we, we traveled all over California um, making really fresh, high quality olive oil. And that was really the beginning of my olive oil career. That's amazing. Okay. Who were your first customers? Who were you um, pressing olives for? So it's a funny story. So we, th this whole idea from conception through our first customer, who was Jordan Winery in Napa, um, this all happened in like three weeks. It was what? crazy. It was a madhouse. Three so we, weeks? 
Yeah, so we built this mill and Davis, for those that aren't from California, Davis is maybe an hour and a half, two hours, depending on traffic from Napa. Mm -hmm. And on the way over there, I was literally in the back in the trailer that was being towed by a truck, finishing up the electrical wiring so that we could run this thing at Jordan Winery. And and uh, we got there and it was a big media event and I was so nervous, uh, but the olives came in, they started har hand harvesting, they rushed the olives to the mill. We turned the equipment on and then out of the spout of the centrifuge came this beautiful green aromatic olive oil. And that on, it honestly changed my life. It was the first time I had had fresh olive oil and it really, it really set this career in motion. I do think that there is that life-changing aha moment when you experience freshly pressed olive oil. Um, I know I got to experience it a couple of years ago as well. And it's unlike anything that you receive in a bottle. Well, <laughs> I, I guess there's ways to get close, like Cordo's olive oil. But yeah, I, I can only imagine how eye-opening that was for you. So you were like, that's it. I'm I'm going to focus on olive oil from now on. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, and I think you touch on something super important is this aha moment. You know, for for me, it was easy. I made the olive oil. I saw the olives come in. The olives were beautiful. We crushed them right after harvest. And the smell was amazing of you know, through the crushers all the way to the oil. So I had this aha moment. But how do you have that aha moment if you're not a miller or making olive oil? And and the, your point about the bottle not tasting the same is, is spot on. Um, it's very, very hard to get fresh olive oil to customers. And and if, you're, if, you, if your company, you know, if you're not set up, if you haven't started at the end and thought, how do I get fresh oil to customers and worked your way back all the way to production, you're just not going to be able to do it. Mm -hmm. Okay, we're going to have to get into the nitty and gritty of that, but <laughs> let's back up a little bit. Maybe you can tell us about Cordo's founders. Is it the Cordo Posse family? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, Dino, Dino and Joan Cordo Posse. Dino was a, a an agricultural entrepreneur. Um, he, uh, you know, he was very successful in many crops, but tomatoes were really where what made uh, where he made most of his success. And you know, it's interesting. Dino, Dino was, um, he was, he, everyone uses this word, but he truly was, he was really innovative. And what I mean by that is he was, he was always willing to invest and in new technologies, especially if they, uh, if they created a quality improvement, if they created a difference in quality over his competitors. So Dino, that's what made him successful in, in tomatoes. Their tomatoes are always, they're more aromatic, they're greener, they just taste better than other tomatoes. And Dino, you know, he early on, he realized that there was no fresh, high quality olive oil in California. There's very small amounts, you know, small, small boutique producers in California. And, and uh, so he saw an opportunity very early on and, uh, and he went all in. He, he knew there was a, there was, you know, there was an opportunity and he knew that, that he could do it. And that's, that's how Cordo was founded. Okay. What year was this? That was the first trees went in around 2006. Um, oh. The first oil, I think, was 2009. And then, you know, Cordo really became what it is around, you know, 2012, 2013. Mm, okay. So where are the olives grown? So the olives are, we're in Lodi. So the mill mm -hmm. is in Lodi, California. And all of the olives are grown in a, we, we like to, you know, a two hour drive within, you know, around the mill, just so we can make sure we get the olives to it. Uh, to the mill quickly. Okay, so for people who don't live in California, maybe you could describe Lodi's climate and what makes it ideal. 
for yeah, perfect. Yeah. Uh, so a lot of people have heard of Lodi wine, and mm-hmm. that's for a very that's for a specific reason. Uh, Lodi, so Lodi, if you were to draw a line east from San Francisco, you would pretty much kind of get hit the Lodi area. It's uh, in the Central Valley, just south of Sacramento, and um, the you know the soils here are great. But what really makes Lodi special is the Sacramento Delta. So the, the American rivers and several of the rivers uh, form a delta that goes out straight to San Francisco Bay. And the cool breezes that come off the ocean uh, blow into the Lodi area. We call it the Delta Breeze and cool it off almost every night. And because of that, um, you know, crops like grapes and olives do extremely well in this area. So they love the heat. They're very drought tolerant, right? Yeah, they uh, they use very little amount of water. I mean, we're talking like maybe a third of what almonds and other crops in California do, half of grapes. Mm, that's amazing. Um, and then what varieties of olives are you growing? So we, you know, we grow three main varieties, Arbequina and Arbisana, which are two Spanish varieties. And we mm. also grow a variety called Koroniki, which is a Greek variety. Uh, but we also have about five other varieties in the ground that we're doing trials with to see how they work. Um, one thing I didn't touch on that I think is important to understand, and and the reason that Dino early on went all in on this uh, on this on this crop is that there was a new method of planting called super high density or vineyard style planting that mm-hmm. really is changing the industry. What it does is, you know, the trees are grown very close together in hedgerows a lot like like wine grapes are. And it allows us to mechanize the harvest in the very short window when you can make ultra premium olive oil. So really what it is, it's the first time we've been able to scale high quality olive oil in the history of olive oil. Yeah. So they're, they're trellis like wine. Okay. Let's talk about the harvest then. That typically happens in October, right? Yeah, correct. October, okay. and November. And the olives are still greenish. They're not turning black. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's correct. So, you know, take a step back. One thing that a lot of people don't realize is that olives are a fruit. Mm-hmm. And like any fruit, they have their optimum window of harvest, right? And that happens to be in October and November. I always like to use the analogy of an orange. Um, you imagine an orange, let's say you have an orange tree in your backyard. And let's say you go out there in, in January, or February, and that orange is perfect. It's sweet, it's juicy. And you pull that orange off the tree and you juice it, it's going to be amazing, right? Mm-hmm. If if you, let's say you've gone your way out there, uh, let's say your dog tar- starts tearing up the screen door and you get distracted and you forget about that orange and it hangs on the tree for one month, two months, three months. Uh, what's happening to that orange? It continues to ripen. It becomes overripe. Eventually it begins to rot and produce fermentations, right? Mm-hmm. You can still pick and juice that orange, but it's not going to be very good orange juice. And unfortunately for olive oil, most of the oil in the United States comes from olives like that second orange that are very overripe. Mm -hmm. So this new method of planting allows us to harvest uh, during that really premium window when that olive slash orange is perfect for making really high quality product. So is the harvest the type of thing where you're doing one pass and then the tree is done for the season or are there multiple passes? No, it's used single pass. Okay. So we get one shot at it. <laughs> That's a very critical moment. Um, <laughs> and I know that you lead Cordo's research lab. You have state-of-the-art extraction. 
maybe you could tell everybody what it's like, you know, from the moment that you pick it, I know it happens quickly until you get it into the pro you know, the actual processing. Sure. Yeah. I mean, the, um, it's, it's, it's important to understand what makes olive oil special, right? Olive oil is the only oil that's extracted purely mechanically. All the other oils either go through, you know, solvent extraction, they're all refined, bleached and deodorized and, and all the other oils. I don't care what it is. And you, so what you end up with are the colorless, odorless fat. Mm -hmm. Olive oil is the exact opposite of that, right? Olive oil is a celebration of the fruit. It's a celebration of the land, the terroir, because it's essentially the way we make it is a lot like juice is made. We literally just harvest it. We, you know, remove anything that we call moo material other than olives. So that sticks, leaves, <laughs> anything that might impact quality. Uh -huh. And then we crush the olives. We agitate, we stir them for like 25 to 30 minutes. And then we use a centrifuge to get the oil out. And that, so from the moment the olives are harvested through the moment the olive oil is made, we're talking hours. So it, it, that's why it retains all of those beautiful flavors and aromas and antioxidants, all the polyphenols, all of that's still in there because it's such a simple, fresh process, right? And, and so it's, it's important to understand that that's what makes olive oil special and why it's different than all of the other oils. Yeah, and I guess the challenge there is to preserve all those special qualities. So my understanding are that the enemies of oil are light, heat, and air. Am I right? Nailed it. Okay, great. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> what? And I, I know you have your methods, you know, at the factory of how to keep things fresh. Maybe you could talk about that. But then how do we, when we get it home, how do we ensure that we can stay, the olive oil can stay as fresh as possible? Sure. So, you know, we, we, we like to focus on the making of the olive oil because that's the sexy part, right? That's where the master millers are doing their thing or whatever. Right. But the reality yeah, I'm just is imagining you swirling <laughs> and sipping. <laughs> it's really not sexy. <laughs> um, but the, uh, the reality is that the hardest part of getting fresh oil to customers happens after the oil's made. Because like you said, uh, so all of, so oils, all edible oils, they're, they're, you, they oxidize. You cannot stop oxidation. All you can do is slow it down. So you have to put an immense amount of energy and thought into how you're going to slow down that oxidation. So, you know, at the mill, we have climate controlled cellars. We pump nitrogen into all of our, our casks so that the olive oil is never exposed to oxygen. And, and, then, uh, and then we package it in a package that also protects it from light, heat, and air, which we use a flavor lock box, which is essentially like a wine bag and box. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, the moment that oil leaves the mill, it's out of our control, right? And that's why, that's where the package itself makes all the difference in the world. Mm -hmm. So, you know, one of the things, our motto is fresh through the last drop. So what does that mean? That means that when you open a package, we want that oil to taste exactly like it does at the mill from the first drop to the last drop. And the only package that we've found that you can do that with is bag and box for, for three simple reasons. Number one, the cardboard blocks light. Number two, the cardboard's a great insulator. And number three, the bag itself protects, uh, has an oxygen barrier. So it protects the oil from oxygen, not just when you open it and start dispensing it, but the entire time you use the package. If you contrast that to like a bottle, where if you open a bottle, then oxygen's going to get in, right? So your shelf life is going to be much shorter. Yeah. And it's funny because I think it's a shame. Like I think a lot of people see the beautiful, clear bottles of olive oil and you think, oh, it's so pretty and I can see what it looks like. But truly, it's much better if it's 
opaque and dark and you can't see what's inside. Absolutely. And, and I'll encourage, um, a quick plug, but I'll encourage everyone to visit our website, not to buy olive oil, but to look at the virtual tasting experience. Because the virtual tasting experience, is, it's a virtual educational tool that we came up with. And one of the flights, there's two flights that show you the, the importance of when the fruit's harvested. And the second part is how hard it is to keep oil fresh. And in one of the flights, we intentionally oxidize a, an ultra premium oil. Oof. And we do it by putting it in clear glass and putting it outside in the sun oh. for about four days. Okay. Does it change in appearance? Like, will it get cloudy, things like that? It goes, it's golden, it's rancid, it's no longer extra virgin. And all of that, honestly, we put out there for four days just for effect. It's probably happening in 24 to 48 hours. So I olive oil that. is highly sensitive. I love the idea of a virtual tasting. Okay, but for let's pretend we're doing a virtual tasting right now. <laughs> okay, I've got my first, and this is the good one. Like, what should it taste like? Yeah, so this, you know, one of, it, it, it's honestly pretty simple. The moment you open an oil and you smell it, it should take you back to your garden. Mm. It should smell mm -hmm. like fresh things like herbs, fruits, you know, uh, like tomato leaves, fresh cut grass, just things that remind you of nature and natural things. If it smells like cardboard or or nail polish, I, it, everyone's like, "What nail polish?" Yeah. But there are oil. A lot of oil in the United States smells like nail polish. If it smells like that, that means something is is obviously wrong with the oil. So if you just does it take me to the garden and does it happen quickly? It's not like something you have to sit there and really get your nose in there and smell it. Like it should instantly remind you of fresh things. Mm -hmm. Okay, and conversely, what is nasty, rancid? oil that should be thrown away <laughs> tastes like. Well, like I said, so the there's the two big defects that we have in the United States come from olives that were not harvested at the right time. Mm -hmm. So a lot of fermentation happens in the fruit, especially rotting fruit that produces alcohol. So that'll smell like things like solvent, nail polish, uh, acetone, right? Paint thinner. It's very like alcohols focused smells. The second defect that we have is uh, rancidity. And they often come together. So rancidity tends to be more like cardboard, Play-Doh, something like that. So really what you end up with, since they, most of them come together, is like a paint thinner, like cardboard soaked in paint thinner. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh, oh. That's just wrong on so many levels. <laughs> so yeah, and you, yeah. I was just going to say, you know what's crazy is most people prefer that. Because, because that's what they're used they, to. <laughs> exactly. They're used to it and they've never had that aha moment. Oh gosh, I wish everyone can taste it. I think ever since I had that very first taste, like I, now I, I, I think I told you this at our dinner, I will pour myself like a little shot glass of olive oil and I'll sip it as I cook just because it tastes so good. Um, I wish everyone could experience. Okay. You know what? Let's, how do we know that we're getting really good quality extra virgin olive oil? And does it have to be extra virgin? Maybe we could talk about the kinds of olive oil and and what extra virgin really means. Sure. So let me, <laughs> I'm going to try to not come off as a snob, but <laughs> let me just say this. The reason there are other grades other than extra virgin is because there's so much crappy oil produced in the world. The reality is extra virgin is not hard to make. In fact, it, I, I think it's like getting a D in school. 
Oh gosh. Because by definition, all it needs in order to be extra virgin is it cannot have any defects. So, you know, I, we talk to chefs a lot. So I always use an analogy of going to your local fish person and saying, Hey, get me, I'd love some fish. Give me some fish that's got no defects. Right. So there are all these beautiful boats of fresh fish coming in and the, the, you know, the fishmonger ignores them and he goes to the back and he grabs one that's six days old. That's not quite defective yet. And he hands it to you and he says, there you go. There's your quote unquote extra virgin fish. Right. Hmm. So I just, for me, the, if you're not, there's no re like extra virgin can do everything. And we should be talking about how good extra virgin can be, not whether or not you should be using extra virgin. Okay. So what is the difference between, let's say, extra virgin and virgin? Maybe that will help people sure. with, you know, confusing the two or not confusing sure. the so two. Extra virgin, like I said, by definition, has zero defects. Mm -hmm. Virgin has defects in it. So it can have rancidity. It can have, you know, what we call fusty from fermentation. It can have defects in it up to a certain point. Mm -hmm. And then if it goes beyond that point, then it's called lampante or crude oil. And at that point, it's not mm -hmm. fit for human consumption and it has to be refined. But it's still or sold. It's it's refined and then it's sold as light, uh, pure, all of those other categories that you see. Which is so confusing to a consumer because you see the word pure or light and you automatically think that's good, but it's not. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's all it's all basically oil. It's extra virgin oil that didn't meet any of the grades that was refined, bleached, and deodorized so that it could be consumed, and then it's put into a bottle. Okay, so the label extra virgin, can we trust that? Well, that's the other challenge, right? So <laughs> most there's there's a lot there's data. Uh, there was a big study done in 2010 by UC Davis, and there's there's a lot of more data coming out that shows that even if the bottle says extra virgin on the label, oftentimes it isn't extra virgin. It doesn't meet extra. It may have been extra virgin when it was packaged. Mm -hmm. It may have been extra virgin when it left the, when it, when, when it was made. But by the time the consumer is getting it, it's not extra virgin because it's either rancid or it's fusty or there's some other defect in it. Oh boy. Okay. So what are your tips for consumers? So my tips. To purchasing. And this is, this is controversial. I, I always get eye rolls in industry when I say this, but my tip is that the supermarket, especially big national supermarkets, is not the place to buy olive oil. Mm. It's currently just not set up in a way that, it's, that you're going to consistently get fresh olive oil on the shelf. So my recommendations are always, you know, uh, know your producer buy directly from the producer D to C or online. Um, you know, if it's us, for example, when you, when you purchase uh, online on our website or even from Amazon from us, the oil is going directly from our sellers to you in three to five days, whatever it takes to ship there. Right. So the chances of it being fresh are much better than anything you're going to find in the supermarket. There's no words. There's yeah. no, you know, the seals, there's nothing at this point that guarantees the freshness on the supermarket shelf. Yeah, because you just don't know how long it's been sitting there. Yep, exactly. Um, does Cordo have like a, a fresh by date or a used by date or a, a harvested on date? Yeah, we do. We we actually have a freshness guarantee uh, through a date that's printed on our bottle or on our on our package, um, and that uh, that's driven by science. So we have some tests that we do. We we develop what we call a freshness index. Um, so we have a great idea of how long that oil is going to be stay really fresh. And we guarantee the oil through that date. 
Okay. I'm just wondering if you cringe because I'm just imagining it right now. This is just a random thought, but you know, when you get like a gift basket from somebody and it's got olive oil and pasta and, you know, a jar of marinara sauce, but I'm just thinking, oh my gosh, how, how bad is that olive oil? It's probably pretty bad, huh? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, yes. I mean, I, I think once you start to put the picture together, you realize how much bad olive oil there is out there. You think about your restaurant that's got clear bottles sitting on the table, you know, oh, yeah, you, that's true. Yeah, and, you know, or like, yeah, I won't, I won't pick on any restaurants, but they put balsamic in it to make it taste better or, you know, I wonder there's, what there's, that is. <laughs> <laughs> there's just a lot of bad olive oil out there. So like you said, we we're, we got used to it. And I think the more we can kind of help people have this aha moment, the better off we're going to be. Okay. So are there any other regions outside of California where in the United States where olives for olive oil are grown? Yeah. I mean, California produces the vast majority. We're talking like probably over 95% of the oil in the United States, but there mm -hmm. are producers in, I know producers in Oregon, Arizona, uh, Georgia, Texas, Florida, um, Florida. Wow. Yeah. I hope I'm not missing anyone, but there are other States that are, that are definitely producing olive oil mm. and they're all, you know, they're all well-intentioned and, and trying to do the right thing. You know, I think we, we have a very good positive industry in the United States of, of really, you know, producers that care. So. So I know there was a lot of controversy with European olive oil. Um, just let's touch on that really quickly. What are your thoughts on that? And, you know, are, are there any other things that we need to be aware of when purchasing olive oil from outside of the country? Well, I, you know, it's unfortunate because some of the best oils I've had come from around the world. And, mm -hmm. you know, Spain, Italy, you know, your Greece, your typical ones, there are amazing producers there, Australia, New Zealand, Chile, mm -hmm. uh, Peru, Uruguay, there's amazing oils coming from everywhere. The problem is that the vast majority of the oil that's in the United States is not that it's, it's essentially an olive oil commodity. We always joke that there's one giant tank of global <laughs> olive oil that's really poor quality. And and if you look closely at some of the packages, you'll see that the oils come from six to seven different countries mm -hmm. because it's just, it's a commodity. And, and the big loser in that is the consumer because when, when it is treated more than a commodity, when it is a specialty product, when a, when a producer really does care about getting, you know, customers really fresh oil, it's, it can be life-changing. It's one of the easiest ways to make food better and health better. You know, it's just that we have to figure out how to do it. And, and it's not easy. Okay. Yeah. We have to talk about the health benefits really quickly of olive oil. There's polyphenols, which you mentioned, all those antioxidants. What else? What else is so good about it? So it's interesting. So originally it was olive oil is mostly mono, monounsaturated fat, and that's why it's so healthy. Mm -hmm. Well, there's a bunch of really cool new research coming out that shows that, that that's not what makes olive oil the healthiest. What makes olive oil the healthiest is all the very unique polyphenols that are in olive oil, things like oleocanthal, allurapane, and a lot of the other uh, polyphenols that are in olive oil. And there, there's a lot of research. I, I had someone tell me once, a researcher tell me that there is more written about olive oil in medical research than any other food product. Really? Yes. And, huh. and the crazy thing is we're, we're just starting to understand the effect, the impact of polyphenols on health. 
from cardiovascular health to brain health to anti-cancer. Um, again, I'm not making any claims. This is just what, where the research is around right now. Mm -hmm. But um, it's, it's a fascinating ingredient if it's fresh and high quality. Mm -hmm. And that I is guess, a big yeah. if. <laughs> yeah, I guess I guess with anything you've, you've got half lives, so you, <laughs> as it degrades, all those nutrients and polyphenols and that's just going to go down the drain. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they oxidize as well. So if they're in there from the beginning, I mean, a lot of times the oil is such poor quality when it's made that they're not even in there, you know, from the first place. But okay. On the other hand, are there any myths that we need to know about with? Oh my gosh, there's so many. It is one of the most misunderstood <laughs> ingredients. So absolutely cook with olive oil. If it's fresh and high quality, it has a very high smoke point, typically 390 or above. Because it has all of those natural polyphenols in it, it's extremely uh, uh, heat stable. So it doesn't break down like other at refined oils will that don't have polyphenols. In fact, they self-sacrifice to protect the oil. Mm. Um you can bake, you can use it in pizza ovens, you can do anything with olive oil. It's it's probably the most versatile oil there is. I agree. I love to do, I've, that's pretty much the only oil I will cook with. Um, unless, <laughs> unless if it's like some specialty salad dressing that I'm making and it wants something else. But anyway, I, normally that's my go-to. What's your favorite way to cook or bake or grill with olive oil? I knew you were going to ask me this. I <laughs> I use it in so many ways. I mean, I'll tell you a, a, a recipe that I'm trying to work on right now. So I'm not a chef, but I definitely love to cook. Uh, one of the things I'm trying to do right now is mochi balls with ice cream. With So yes. we didn't talk about our agramato oils. Agramato is basically, it's a process where you take whatever else is fresh at the time. So mm -hmm. in, in our case, we made two this year. We made one with Calabrian chilies that we grew. And there's also really good yuzu grown in California. And what you do is you take that fruit and you crush it with the olives. And this incredible thing happens where you extract like the best of both ingredients in a way you can't do in the kitchen. So, I've been cooking with those. I was, oh, you guys yeah, sent me a box. It was, I love it on just dressings. The yuzu one, great. The spicy one. It's such a fun great. product. So yeah. I want to make mochi. Oh, in fact, I didn't even mention this, but the, the yuzu actually won. We sent it. We, we, we enter competitions every year just to gauge, you yeah. know, they're professional tasters just to gauge where we're at. And this year, our yuzu agramato won best international flavored oil at a competition in Italy at the wow. IOC. Yeah. So that was pretty cool. So anyway, back to how I use it. I'm <laughs> playing with uh, mochi ice cream ball with mochi balls with the uh, yuzu ice cream in the middle of it with sea salt on top of it. So that's, that's kind of where I'm at right now. I'm not, okay. I haven't had a successful batch yet, but I will get it. I promise. <laughs> You're going to enroll in the CIA next year. I think <laughs> that sounds amazing. That's such a smart way to use the agramado. Yeah. It was wow. inspired by a chef in New York that we did it, that we worked with, but I figured I'd try and make my own version. So I love that. I'm obsessed with mochi. And of course the, the ice cream filled one, that sounds great. Ooh, now I want to play with that. I just love the fact that it's almost like one and done. If I'm just making a quick salad, I'll just drizzle the yuzu one over my greens and whatever else I'm eating, sprinkle sea salt, and I'm done. I don't have to even like add any more. The acid is there. The, the oil is there. It's just great. And I think you nailed the most important part of all of this, which is when you have fresh, high quality olive oil, it, that's why I say that it's one of the easiest ways to make food better. Whether it's agramato or whether it's just a really high quality, flavorful olive oil, 
You don't need anything else. Mm -hmm. You can just finish something with it, maybe a little salt and it, and it makes whatever you're making, it makes it so much more alive and, 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 and tasty. It's just, it's such a simple way of doing that. Yeah, I totally agree. Okay. David, you're a fountain of olive oil knowledge. <laughs> and I could talk to you forever, but I know I need to let you go. So before you do go, what is, I have some quick closing questions. What's something okay. that you make when you're too tired to cook and you need an emergency go-to dinner? Um, probably popcorn. Popcorn oh. with our Calabrian chili agramado on it and some sea salt. That is my, I'm too lazy to cook. I'm just going to have some popcorn tonight dish. I love that. Okay. I'm going to make popcorn tonight when I watch movies and I'm going to try that. That's so smart to put it on the popcorn. Great idea. Um, nice and spicy. What's the one recipe that you treasure the most? Oh man. I think because how we opened this by talking about cooking with my grandmother and my mom, it, it has to be probably making paellas at a holiday. I think is that, that it's just, it brings everyone into the kitchen and it's so fun. And like, it's just a big communal dish. So everyone's eating out of the same thing. I just brings back so many good memories. That sounds so good. Oh my gosh. What a happy memory. Are you messy or neat in the kitchen? I'm very neat. I'm a neat freak. <laughs> <laughs> I am the, that's how I mill olives. That's how I am in the kitchen. That's how my, I, my metal shop is the same way. I just try and keep it as clean and neat as possible. Oh, that's so good. What's a good kitchen tip that you can share? Um, well, I, I hope my good kitchen tip is that olive oil is a versatile ingredient. Mm -hmm. um, and, and to really like start thinking about olive oil in ways that you never have before in, in baking, in cocktails, in desserts, um, in, you know, uh, uh, finishing. Like I, if, I mean, that is, it's honestly a tool. It's an amazing tool that's totally underutilized. I agree completely. Every week, I try to share five little things with my audience, something that made me smile. Is there anything good that made you smile this week? There is. I was talking to someone at the grocery store. It's funny. I, we were, I was in the spice aisle, <sighs> and um, this person was talking to me about spices. And as we were leaving, they told me to always leave something every day better than you found it totally random. Like I did not know this person. They just dropped that bomb on me and <laughs> it was extremely impactful. So I'll say it to your audience members, try and leave one thing better every day than you found it. I love that. That's words to live by. That's, I love the randomness of that too. That's really great. <laughs> well, yeah, it's kind of pay it forward, right? Yeah, I agree. Okay, David, where can people find you? Where can uh, they connect with you and where can they find Corto? Yeah, I think the, the best place, like the hub for us is our website. So if you go to uh, corto-olive.com, you can find, you can buy there, you can find our Instagram, you can find a bunch of educational content, you can the virtual uh, tastings there. That's probably the best place to start. And um, let that, hopefully that'll take you on an adventure. You know, there's a lot of really good oil out there, especially if you're in California or in the United States. And you're buying from small, you know, boutique producers or producers that care. Um, mm -hmm. I think it's, you know, that's a great place to start. So, oh, I'm excited. I think I think everyone should go do that. Do a tasting. I think that's really a great place to start. If you've never had that experience, do it. You know, it's if you enjoy a wine tasting, you're going to enjoy it an olive oil tasting, especially when it's really good. 
Yeah, I agree. And I, I, I promise, darn it, that oil is going to be fresh so you can have your aha <laughs> moment. And if it's not, then come find me and tell me it wasn't because I, we do everything we can to keep it fresh. So. Oh, wow. Thank you, David, for sharing all your knowledge with us. I really, really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Doesn't David have the best job? I'm always fascinated by olive oil production and, of course, cooking with it. If you haven't had a chance to do an olive oil tasting, I really encourage you to try it. I'll leave a link in the show notes for you, and I can't wait for you to have your own aha moment. Thank you again, David and the Cordo team, and thank you at home for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to rate it and share it with a friend and join us again next time. Until then, happy cooking.